Good evening, welcome to the Talk Mad podcast. Um, might, might stretch us out to 68 minutes this week. Seems to be a magic number this time, doesn't it? Um, might make it a bit short, I don't know. But um, you got me, C. Jackson, I'm in the main chair this evening. Um, probably will be a bit of a shortened one this week. Um, not as much to talk about this week. Um, that's Mr. John Cutler, he's with us. Um, even soon, Cut. Evening, lads, how are we doing? Yeah, sound. You all right? Yeah, I'm very good, yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, started off the weekend, didn't start too great, but it certainly finished all right. So, you know, we'll discuss that later, I'm sure. It finished very well. But um, less about them, not. Um, which leads us on to our next one. Um, Evening, Steve, you all right? Evening, lads, you all right? Uh, not bad. I was, um, a, I was a little bit mis- miserable on Saturday, but obviously I, I, I cheered up a lot on, on Sunday. I'm possibly one of the few Geordies that you'll hear. Have I come across that was uh, buzzing over the weekend? <laughs> yes, well, um, well, well, we'll give that a little, we'll give it a little mention during the show. Um, you know, um, speaking of which, the little fella turned fifty earlier on there last week. Um, he lifted the Carlin Cup, just same. Um, so oh, there's going to be lots of mentions tonight. I'm looking forward to this. But uh, right, we're going to talk about West Brom. Um, the, the two calamitous goals we conceded. What's the first offside? What's the second? Well, I'll go into the second when I get to it. Um, we'll, we'll mention Sunday um, because obviously it's 19 years because obviously we can't celebrate the 29th of Feb because that's not till next year. would have been a leap year. Um, we'll mention our, the, uh, the League Cup. I'll, I'll, it seems to be a good little subject to talk about, doesn't it? Lifting the League Cup. So we'll give Will that you- Winning cups isn't for everyone, Steve. No, I mean that, that's why when they ha- when they, they have their morning uh, drink, Newcastle fans, they have it in a mug, not a cup. That's why. And um, and we'll mention Reading. Um, but we welcome to the Riverside on Saturday. They had they had a big win um, at the weekend, beating Blackpool. So they come here in fine fine form. So yeah, it's going to be a tough game, but. And plus they've got Andy Cowell, who's an absolute nightmare. And loves to score against the Borough. So we'll talk about how we're going to stop him, what changes we may or may not make. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll go with the floor. But before we start, how are we boys doing? Yeah, spot on. Spot on, Steve. Spot on. Happy days. Um, right. Cuts. So, Saturday. We knew it was going to be a big game. It's going to be a big game. It's going to be a huge game. Um, West Brom are really good at home. Obviously, before previous to us, seven out of eight games they've won at home. So, I know they're not great away from home, but doesn't matter, does it? Um, what was your feelings going into Saturday before you saw the team come out? Well, I think we all mentioned on the pod last week that it'd be. I certainly thought it'd be one of our toughest games remaining this season, <laughs> and I. I insinuated that I would have been happy with the point. I think I took us to win when we did our predictions. But yeah, I would have been happy with the point. It was a tough game. We've uh, we've lost the game. Now we move on. Sheffield United will drop points as well from now at the end of the season. We've mentioned any team can beat any team in this league. Uh, for me, anyway, it's not over yet. Oh, it's far from over. I mean, 
I mean, it, it was really tough. I mean, imagine that last week, didn't we, Steve? It was going to be, you know, as, as I mentioned there, they're so, they're so good at home. They've had the, the bounce as well with Carlos Corbran coming in. I think it's now 11, is it 11 wins in 17 they've had under Corbran. So they've had a really good record under him. And the Hawthorne's always a tough place to go as well because it's, it's in your face. It's it, it's closed, compact. One of my favourite grounds as well, Hawthorne. So I was, I was happy to go there Saturday. But what were your feelings before the game? I wouldn't say I was overconfident because we've been on such a good run. I think it's six on the bounce we've won. And we've did, we've had a pretty good record there lately down West Brom. We've done quite well over the last few years. And it was a big game at West Brom because if they had lost to Middlesbrough on, on, on Saturday, it was going to maybe start to look difficult for them to get into the playoff picture. Whereas by them winning it, it puts them back in the mix. So it was really important to me that Middlesbrough started well in the game. And it was always a worry because I knew West Brom would come up with. And so I did have concerns about it. I was, I, I did predict last week Middlesbrough was, would win. Why wouldn't I? We've been in fantastic form. We're scoring lots of goals. Um, and it, it, was, it, was, it was a strange game. It wasn't the way, even if we lost, it wasn't the way I thought it would play out. Mm. Yeah, it was... Um... I mean, I'm going to go straight into the performance. So, I mean, I mean, I said before the game, I was talking to I said the driver that took it down, Jason, um, big listener, he loves the podcast. I'm going to get him on for one week. So, so this, I know you're listening, Jason, so get yourself ready. Um, we mentioned it, we, we don't fear going anywhere, but as I say, Hawthorne is such, such a tough place to go. And we knew we couldn't be perfect for the season. We couldn't. You know, we're not not perfect. No team in this league's perfect. It's so tough. It's like you said there, it's it's the manner of the defeat that really bugged me on Saturday because we didn't get going. It's like the wrong players had an off game at the wrong time. Like the the back line had a bit of an off game. The wing backs were pushed in narrowly and West Brom's um press from the front was really good. I mean, really, really good. I was, I was really impressed by that. I mean, that takes us obviously to the first goal because it, it did force us back. And I mean, firstly, has anybody watched the first goal back before I mentioned this? Yes, yeah, I've seen the goal, Steve. Right, was it because I haven't watched the goal back? I'll fully admit that. I've seen I was there Saturday, but I didn't watch the goal back. Was it offside? Because it looked offside to me. Well, the the camera angle wasn't conclusive. Uh, but I have watched it back a few times and Neil Madison on the radio was adamant he was offside uh, I've, I've, I've seen people on social media saying so but I've got to be brutally honest I don't think he was I think he was level I think it was really really tight I, I think he deserved the benefit of the doubt I think he was just behind one certainly possibly two Middlesbrough defenders as the ball come in and he stuck it away from a couple of yards out. It was poor defending by Middlesbrough. It was too easy. It was the you know ball played out wide? The cross come in. It was really poor by Middlesbrough. But and I I I thought he was just on side. And if it was the other way around, I would have I would have been gutted if it had been Akpom flagged offside for that because I thought it was just on. If I'm being honest. Yeah, and I say I, I mean I mean so we mentioned last week that you know the one of the men that was going to be the danger was Daryl DK and he got into position straight away for that ball to be received from the uh, 
from the left hand side. I, I, I honestly can't tell you who put the ball in the box, but he was a proper number nine in the middle of the box, perfectly positioned in between. I think it was in between, was it McNair and I suppose Anne Lenahan, wasn't it? And I say Giles was completely out of the picture. I don't know why, but he finished it really well, didn't he? Yeah, it's, I mean, he's one of them, and he's a bit like an old old school type of straight. He's a, is he great on the eye? No, but is he effective? He most certainly is. Uh, I suppose from you can you've talked about players being off form and 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 not playing so well on Saturday, but do you know what? After the performances we've had in the last few months, I'm going to give him a pass on on Saturday. And to me now, it's about how we pick ourselves up this Saturday, uh, which we'll go into a little bit later. But yeah, I suppose from their point of view, he's a big guy. He got he got in between the defenders and, and got his foot on the ball and scored. So yeah, fair play yeah. win for that. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it was a player uh, that I mentioned last season. I thought I, I wouldn't mind a double detail from for us. I, I really did rain when he moved over from Orlando and he made the trip across to the, the Atlantic to, to England. I thought he was good for Barnsley. I thought West Brom was a really good player. And he proved on Saturday. I mean, I know he scored the second. I'm going to come to you for this one, Steve. You'll know why. Um, Alan, do you want to mention something before I go? Yeah, I, I was just going to put one to cuts because obviously we've had this debate the last few weeks on, 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 on the podcast and I mentioned it last week. I was really disappointed that we didn't start um, Dale Fry on, on Saturday against uh, Daryl DK. Yeah. I thought we needed that physical presence. We needed his height. We needed Fry to do what Fry does. And I thought it was, I thought, I thought Carrick had started to go down what I'd said, which was, which, which was the horses for courses, uh, you know, the, the way he was going, because he, br- he brought in Dale Fry against, um, Sheffield United to deal with their physicality and it worked a treat and we got a great victory there and I was absolutely fine with him bringing McNair back in for the QPR game because of the way QPR play and us wanting to have a little bit more finesse on the ball at the back in Paddy McNair for the QPR game which also worked which was good management and I thought he missed the trick as I said last week he should have brought Dale Fry back in to deal with DK, to deal with their main threat, to nullify him early on, because they were always going to come flying up the blocks at work, and they did. And I just think Dale Fry would have dealt with him a hell of a lot better than Paddy McNair, who I thought, not just because he obviously went off injured, I thought he was, I thought he had a poor game and a different game against West Brom, not not the only one. And I thought the second goal in particular, he was really poor. Um, you mentioned the second goal, stay there. Yeah. It was a long punt by Griffiths, the goalkeeper. He has to deal with it better than that, does Paddy McNair. He heads the ball back into the danger zone. Uh, the midfielder picks it up. A little one-two round the back of McNair and Lenehan. And he's in one-on-one with Stefan. So I, I thought it was a poor afternoon for, for Dale Fry all round. And it was a, obviously a real shame that he got the poor in, bad injury at the end. And I hope he's recovered fine and he's available again for Saturday. But I thought it was a poor afternoon and for the one of the very few times in the Michael Carrick, I questioned his decision. Yeah, it was, I mean, I did have a poor afternoon. I mean, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the second though because the header was, yeah, it was, it was so poor. I'm, I feel like I talk about him every week. I, I really do. I, I don't want to. But that 
first save from Stefan. You've got to put a massive question mark on that. I mean, it's the, the shot didn't look powerful. It didn't look tricky. It was just straight at him. And he's just flicked a hand at it. I mean, there was a lot of angry people around me. A lot. And usually I can see, well, well you know, I can see what he's doing. I couldn't see what he was doing with that. I thought that was really, really poor goalkeeping on that occasion. I can see where you're coming from, and as as I always do, and I always give me honest opinion. And the ball was he was clean through one on one with Stefan, and as most keepers would, you'd be expecting from that range that close in a really difficult save to make a blasting shot at bottom corner, top corner, rake and strike. And you probably set yourself anticipating that from such a close range. So you're set as a goalkeeper expecting this shot that's going to rain in on you. And I think he was taken by surprise because it was actually a poor miss hit by DK. And of all the places they miss hit it, it's one of the most difficult positions as a goalkeeper when you get the ball hit right between under your feet. And I think it took him by surprise. He went down with his hand and his foot at the same time, if you see it, it sort of comes off his, his foot and it, it rebounds back into, into, into the path of DK to, to smash in the, in, in, in the ball back in the back of the net. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, it's one of those where I wouldn't class it as a major mistake because it was a close-range shot, which he's actually saved, and he was probably expecting a better shot, like I said earlier. However, as a goalkeeper, I will be disappointed because you know you should have done better. And I said last week on the free kick by chair for QPR from 40 yards, you don't get beat from 40 yards as a goalkeeper and don't come under some criticism or critique. And I would put it in the same category on Saturday. It's not a howler. It's not a major mistake. But it's one as a goalkeeper where you will come after the game and think, yeah, I could have done better there. But as I say, there was... A lot more mistakes before the ball got to Daryl uh, DK before he hit the shot before that, including the McNair header. So, collectively, it was a poor, poor goal to concede. And collectively, Middlesbrough as a defensive unit, including the goalkeeper, should have done better. Yeah, I'd put the first 10 minutes into the poor category because they, they, they did come out. And they were the better team. They came out straight at us. They knew exactly how to to counter whatever we had, and they they, they narrowed us very well. And the press was really good. But I say you can't concede two goals in ten minutes and expect to get anything out of the game for me. People say, "Well, that's a bit of real reaction," but you can't defend like we did. First ten minutes wasn't wasn't it was the worst I've seen us under Carrick. By a long, long way, it was so, it was so lethargic. It was there was no urgency about us. There was no two passes going together. There was no, there was no pressing ourselves. And we like to press and we like to get into the faces. I thought I, I, I even put House and Hackney in that category. I, I thought it was their worst game in a long while for the Borough. And I mean, I, I thought know. they struggled for, for for space in the midfield. Yeah. Although you've got to give credit to West Brom that they've done the homework on where they know what we're good at. And they started off with a formation 4-2-3-1. And they tried to nullify Middlesbrough's space because they know we like to play through the thirds 
and they've done it really, really well. And we started off first five, six minutes okay on the ball in the game. And a little bit like Sheffield United, they got the early goal, which got the tails up. But what was different to Sheffield United was they got the second very, very quickly. Middlesbrough got back in the game against Sheffield United. They got the foot back in the game, eased the way back in the game, used the quality and took over the game against Sheffield United. That second goal coming just a couple of minutes after the first, I think it knocked the stuffing out in Middlesbrough. And they had a lot more work to do being 2-0 down than 1-0 down. I fully expected on Saturday if, if that had stayed 1-0 at the half-time, Middlesbrough would have probably got something out of the game against West Brom. But at 2-0, West Brom are very crafty. They quickly went from the 4-2-3-1 to when Middlesbrough got the ball, they shifted back into a 4-5-1. And then they took away the space in the midfield. They nullified the space for Akpom in the hole where he gets on the ball and turns. They nullified the threat of Hackney getting on the ball and the hassled with. And it was you've got it was really good, you know, tactics by Carlos Corberan for West Brom. You've got to give him a little bit of credit. And a 2 0 with them setting up four five one. And then when they get the ball, switching back to a four, two, three, one and breaking on with Middlesbrough were were stuck as, as, as to what they're doing until very late on to gamble. But it, you know, in championship football. It's it's very unlikely you're going to turn around, you know, a, a two goal de- de- deficit, and we weren't quite at it on Saturday. Let's be honest, there were some poor performances. Um, some players just weren't at it. Uh, I don't know. Again, I, I mentioned to you boys. You can come back to us on this one. I mentioned a few weeks ago about Tommy Smith, and I, I worry about Tommy Smith against the better opposition. I think against real quality, I think he struggles a little bit. He's got a he's got an awful habit of tucking in tucking in is almost like as if we're playing a a back three or a back five and he's the extra centre half and he tucks in rather than staying in his full back position and I, I really noticed that for the first time against Brighton when he got took with the cleaners and he was constantly caught out of position and tucking in and Brighton were hitting diagonals to the back post and getting in behind him. And, and, and taking them on down the outside and getting in behind them time and time again. And I put it down to it was the extra quality that he was struggling with rather than just his poor positional sense. But I've watched him since in Queen's Park Rangers, Elias Chair, first half. He took them to the cleaners again, out of position, taking them on, courting for pace, getting in behind them time and time again. And on Saturday, same faults again. Out of position, getting done on the uh, done on the outside, and I do still believe, regardless of Tommy Smith being good for play up at Middlesbrough, a hundred percenter, great signing. I've got no problem with him getting a new contract, and he's 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 obviously obviously experience around the, the the dressing room and his knowledge. But for me, and I'll keep saying it until he gets sold pound for pound, and Finn Dykesdale would be a better player in a Michael Carrick team because he's he's a he's got the pace, he's got the recovery, he, he he's better going forward, he links up he, he gets he gets forward better, he's a threat. Yes, he might not have the defensive qualities of of a Tommy Smith, but I don't think he's a bad defender by any stretch of the imagination. And I 
I honestly believe Dykesdale for me would improve Middlesbrough at this at this point of time if you come into the side. I mean, Punch, you want to jump in on that one? Um, obviously, you know, both big fans of Tommy Smith, um, but it's hard to disagree. I mean, the team as a collective was just, I, I hate to say these words, but they were bang average on Saturday. What What's hard to disagree about being bang average or the fact that Dyke still should be coming in for Smith? Which bit? Whichever bit you want to disagree with, Miss. Well, if you think it's hard to disagree about Dyke still coming in to Smith... Oh, no, then... no, I don't agree with that bit. Because, <laughs> uh, honestly, for, for his performances over the season, if he got if he got dropped for Dyke Steel on Saturday, I'd be absolutely shocked. I don't totally even know dropped. if Dyke Steel's fit, to be honest. I don't even know if he's fit. I know he's had injury problems. All I'm saying is, when Tommy Smith comes up against real quality, he struggles in his positional sense getting caught out with diagonals at the back post and down the sides against top players, he struggles. He looks like a player that's more comfortable playing as, an, as, a, as a, in a back three or a back five. In a back four, against real quality, I think he struggles. Now, most weeks, he doesn't come up against real quality and he's a solid defender and he's a solid seven out of ten every week. And he's done brilliantly for it. I've got no argument with that whatsoever. I'm arguing when when we come up against real quality, whether that be Burnley coming up at home or whoever, who've got wingers who are clever with pace and teams that hit the diagonal and are clever with the with the tactics, I think they will target Tommy Smith. Well, if they're going to target Tommy Smith, I'd argue that they target Dyke Steele. Because in my opinion, Tommy Smith is a better defender than Dyke Steele. is a defender. So all, all all of these forwards or wingers and top is Tommy Smith one of the greatest right backs ever? No, he's not. But uh, defensively, I think he's at least on a power with Dyke Steele, and I actually think he's better. And you talk about Tommy Smith going forward and saying Dyke Steele will give us this and Dyke Steele will give us that. If you watch Tommy Smith every time we attack down the right hand side for someone of his age, he's absolutely bombing forward every single time and gives us options on the right-hand side, and that's allowing us to play inside. I, 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 I'm not disagreeing with you. What I'm saying is, when it comes to the to the key moments, so I, do, I think Dijksteel's got more quality in the final third than Tommy Smith. And as for defensively, against real quality, on the width, what you need is recovery and pace. And I think Tommy Smith, against real quality, gets caught out time and time again against real quality. Now, most weeks, as I say, he's not up against that. But Dijksteel has got that recovery powers of his pace. And I just think, you know, if he's fit, he deserves an opportunity because he hasn't had an opportunity really under Michael Carrick-Dyke still to stake his claim. And I think he needs, an he needs an opportunity. And as I say, of late, I think Tommy Smith's been bang average. I will say, I'll say this. I'm more impressed by Dyke still playing at centre-half than I ever was with him playing right-back. Yeah, he was, he was he was magnificent, wasn't he? In the in the three, he was yeah. magnificent. He really was, and I just think people have forgot actually how useful Dijkstra was. It wasn't too long ago that Dijkstra would have been one of the first names on the team sheet. So all, all this loving by Tommy Smith, it's like, well, where's the love gone by Dijkstra? Because for me, Dijkstra was absolute quality for Middlesbrough and very very good for a long period of time. 
I mean, don't don't get me wrong. I really like Dyke still as a player. It's just I think Smith's been that good over the season that you can't drop him. And you know what football's like? It's all about what have you done for me lately. So whether it's been injury or loss of form, Dyke Steele's barely figured this year. Figured He played a little bit at the start of the season when he didn't hack Willock down at the goal at QPR. He needs a bit of nastiness about him, and that's what Smith gives us. So for me, I certainly wouldn't bring him in at right back. If one of the set, say Fry or McNett, Fry or Lenehan got injured, I'd be happier with actually bringing him in at centre-half than ever I would be at right-back, just because of how, how Smith's played. I understand exactly what you're saying, and I'm not saying you're wrong. It's all about opinions. But for me, I, I don't see any way Dykesdale gets in that team over Smith at the moment. I don't expect him to, by the way. I think Michael Carrick's a huge mm. fan of Tommy Smith, and that's why he's rewarded them with the new two-year contract. I don't yeah. think he will. I, I think Tommy Smith would go along, if he was listening to me and you now, uh, sorry, did I say Tommy <laughs> I'm on about the Middlesbrough manager, Michael Carrick. If he was listening to us now, he would go he would go along with you, John. Absolutely. He would back you. Um, I'm just, that, that's just how I see it. But Michael Carrick, for sure, is is on your side. And I don't expect Dykesdale to return. It's worth discussing, because there'll be a, a, a pretty high percentage of our fan base that would like to see Dykesdale back in the team. And for me, if he gets back in the team and he starts performing, then he deserves that. Like you all, you all know that I'm all, all for, if you're in the team and you're playing well, you keep the spot. If Dyke still did that, I'd be quite happy for him to come in and, and, and keep the spot. I like him as a player, like I've said. So it'll be interesting. I'd, like you say, is, is he injured at the moment? What, what, where is he? Because he he's not I'm, on a bench. I'm not, I'm not sure. He has been injured, but I, I'm sure he's back fit again now, but he's just not making the squad. But I might be wrong on that. Well, you, 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 you've just brought me on to a good point there. You, you mentioned, you know, you're the man who's all all for if you if you're playing well, if you're in the side, you keep the shirt. So here's one for you. Moving forward to Saturday to Redden, you're playing against six foot five Andy Carroll. If Paddy McNair recovers and he's hundred percent fit, would you keep Paddy McNair in against Andy Carroll or would you be now on my boat which is Dale Fry should have come in against West Bromwich Albion to deal with DK and uh, Dale Fry should be playing against Andy Carroll on Saturday well for one I don't think it will be Dale Fry against Andy Carroll because I think it'll be our best centre half against Andy Carroll who's Darrell Enahan he's the best better player in the air and, and you did mention I wanted to pick it up earlier when you were on about like it's it's easy in hindsight about picking players, but you're on about fry up against DK on Saturday, and for me, you you're talking about players who are, who can go up against big guys and and be muscly against them. I remember last season Sheffield United away when Fry got the hook after 45 minutes when he got out muscled by Billy Shaw. All right, it's me nitpicking at one player here, and it sounds like it, but for me. Carrick got, Carrick got the decision right on Saturday. The result was bad. The performance was poor. Would I play Dale Fry on Saturday after McNair's performance? Yes, I would. Because he, I've always said, if you're playing well, you keep the shirt. If you have a poor performance, we've got a squad strong enough there. This doesn't just go for Fry and McNair. It goes for the whole squad. If they're not performing, we've got players on that bench who can come in and take their place. You look at our squad now, it's very strong. So if you don't perform in one game, we lose. We're trying to get promoted here. I'd have no qualms with Fry coming in on Saturday. 
I wish I could get a Paddy Power bet on that it's Dale Fry against Andy Carroll. Though. <laughs> what? Oh, this centre half at heading the balls, Daryl Lennon. Daryl Lennon will not be up against Andy Carroll. I'm telling you now, it'll be Dale Fry. We'll sit. Well, next week's going to be a fun podcast. <laughs> Look forward to it already. But um, it's definitely going to be Dale Frying because, um, as I say, yeah. the way McNair left the pitch and, yeah, it looked like his face was well, smashed in. So it, it didn't look great. I, that was being let's hope it's not too serious and he gets back because, you know, yeah. let's, in all seriousness, Paddy McNair is a good player at the Middlesbrough Football Club and he's done very, very well of late. So I hope, I hope if he is out, it's only for a week. Yeah, yeah. I say I, I hope he's back soon. But you had a you had a shocker on Saturday, Paddy. You really did. But, um... No, but he, he'll know that himself. He yeah. and let's let's be honest, lads. We've already we've already said it. There wasn't many players there that you would give above a six or ten. Never mind on any are you? No, you bang on there, John. Spot on, and that's exactly why I'm not even going to ask for a man of the match because I if you could pick one, fair play, yeah. But I can't pick one. I really can't. I, I, I thought I, it was one of them days where it wasn't one person had a bad day, everyone had a bad day. Collectively, we did, yeah. Yeah, it just wasn't. It just wasn't a great day for the for the club. Well, it, it, it wasn't our day right at the end when Isaiah Jones, who come on and actually looked a little bit brighter, which was encouraging. Uh, come on, and he, you had a chance, but I tell you what, there's a goalkeeper's union that was a great save by Griffiths, mind. Because I thought, I thought that Jones done quite well to lift it, because he tried to lift it and put it in the roof of the net. And Griffiths got a co- cross quickly and stuck his hand up. I thought, I thought it was a brilliant save, brilliant bit of goalkeeping mind. So it wasn't our day. It's a it good save. He should have scored for me. He really should have put that in. If you if you watch it again, stay in the, re- in the on the replays, you'll see. I didn't think Jones done a lot wrong when you see that. See the replay it was a really good save, mind. Yeah, I mean, I probably do need to watch it back because after that, I walked out. So um, that was enough for me. Uh, but yeah, it wasn't the greatest Saturday. Very rare we've had them this year. But actually, we haven't. We actually haven't had a bad Saturday this year in the league because obviously Sunday was a Sunday. So we haven't had a bad Saturday. That was our first one. So you know, there'll be there'll be few and far between. So it was it was absolutely fine. But. Yeah, I'm not going to ask you for a man of the mask because I said it was, yeah, it wasn't a great one. There you go. So we'll move on. Uh, before I talk about Reading, um, we're coming up to 19 years since possibly the greatest day in the history of the football club. Um, the walk that Southgate did from the, I think it was from the 18 yard line, all the way up to that that nice that nice velvety flooring they put down. He shook um was it Brian Mawinney's hand? It was the chairman of the uh, the football league at the time. And I went up and grabbed that trophy and did something no other Middlesbrough captain's ever done. And ended hundred and twenty eight years of weight and hurt of all them cup finals. What what a magnificent day to um to follow that football club. And it just made it even better because we've got them pictures to obviously to um to, to look back on the day and you know we've all got our memories and we sent them to every Georgia we knew on Sunday so yeah, that's what it looks like boys there you go <laughs> nice little trophy I mean I'll come to you Cut. how many years is it now for them lot 
68. They try and count a little cup in 1969 or 68, but that's not recognised by uh, the footballing body, so I'm certainly not recognising it. So it's 68 years. Uh, like you say, we were lucky enough to be there and see our team lift a trophy. And even if we weren't there, we would have been able to watch it on colour television. So there's no pictures of any black and white uh, football team lifting any trophies in colour TV. We know that for a fact. And uh, with Steve working in Newcastle, I'm sure he's had a lively couple of days. Oh, it's, it, it, it's, it's been interesting because I've had to take a lot of stick, obviously, living up here and working up here. And I've let them let them get on with it, to be fair. They've got every right to get excited and what have you, as, 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 as you would do, over the tops and understatement. So it was nice just to, to stroll into work with a smile on my face on, on Monday morning and remind them of the last Northeast team to win a, a trophy. And uh, it was quite funny, actually, um, a little story. Uh, one of the lads at work had said how he went into town to watch the match. And uh, what he had done was he had, had to buy a ticket to get in the pub because the pub was busy. So I says, all right. I says, that's a bit of a, bit of a you know, a bit much by having to buy tickets to get in the pub. He says, oh, it was worth it. I says, oh, why was it worth it? He goes, oh, they had a DJ on and everything. He says, and then later on that night, he says, they had a comedy act on. I said to him, I says, how did the team how did the team get back that quick? He wasn't too happy with that one. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's all the ones that the George is on the phone and every person put a, all captions in and went, Yeah, all right, ma'am. I was a bit wrong. Bang the other one on, what's for tea? But you know, they give it all the big in and the was it the turn to Falga black and white? Um, it was the Geordie takeover, apparently. Um, like no one else has ever done it. No one else has ever been to Falga Square, by the way. So, you know, don't don't ever think anybody has. It's and, the uh, most. Go on. Go on. No, go on. I was going to say it's the most I've enjoyed Tyne Tyne News or Luck Newcastle since the day we won the cup. It was superb, wasn't it? It was magnificent uh, viewing. I mean. If we're serious about it, you know, the day will come very soon that they are, they, they will win a trophy because it's, you know, the amount of money, the amount of money they've got, you know, to their, available to them, and they haven't really spent any yet, and obviously got themselves in the position they have. Um, you know, I don't know where they're going to go in the future. You know, they're obviously trying to model themselves on Manchester City, but I just prayed it was, you know. Let's have one more year of it. Just one more year. And uh, the footballing gods look down. And um, I, said some of the, I, I said to some of the lads, I said, um, well, you don't need to be that miserable because at least you won the Watney Cup. And they said, the what? I said, you won the Watney Cup. They said, I don't know what you're talking about. I said, well, when I was walking past the pub, there's loads of Geordies coming out saying, Watney Cup, Watney Cup. So I thought they'd won the Watney Cup. So there you go. <laughs> and just remember when they had that 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 first drink on Monday morning, it was out of a mug, not a cup. I tell you what, I can't believe. Like you showed you them all crying and that, but I didn't think anyone would get that upset over a Mickey Mouse trophy. Or was that only when we were in it? <laughs> tin pot. I got called tin pot when I when we won it. Yeah, Tim. But I, you, you know what it is, though? I think we're giving them far too much airtime. 
Let's say Tim Port, Mickey Mouse, doesn't matter. We've got one, you haven't. We've done it, we've experienced it, we've done it. It's the anniversary of the borough. Greatest day, one of the greatest days of my life. I remember it from start to finish. I remember the music before the game. Yeah. I remember the celebrations after the game. It's like it, it's like it was yesterday if every Middlesbrough fan that was there that day. And, you know, that's something that, you know, when we see him shortly, we can thank Steve Gibson for because it was a fantastic day. So, we've, got to we've got to remember, lads, that since 86 has been the most successful period in this club's history since we... Since Steve helped save the club. Now, like you say, that day was absolutely phenomenal. Okay, Tom. There he is. I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> I'm saying, like, we, we've witnessed the most successful club uh, history in part of our history yeah. while we've been following this club. European Knights, winning a trophy, which we'll never forget. Like you say, that day... Everything about the day was fantastic. We had the look of the gods with us with Bolo's kicked it twice penalty. You know, it was absolutely fantastic. And and it's it's something I'm I'm just so happy that we got to experience that as a football fan. And and we've done it once. Who says that maybe 10 years, 20 years down the line? Hopefully the younger lads that are coming up supporting this club now, they'll get to see it and enjoy it with us again because that was a truly unforgettable day. I was talking to my daughter about this scenario and stuff because she 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 was born when we won the cup, which was too young, and you know she still harbors hopes that Middlesbrough will get back with the Premier League, and if yeah. we get back with the Premier League, there's teams that can win the League Cup, and Middlesbrough would be in that category of still being able to win the League Cup again. So, you know, let let's take it one step at a time. But like you said, John, there's no reason why Middlesbrough can't get back with the Premier League. And, and win another trophy in our lifetime. No reason why not. It happens. So, so look at some of the teams that have won the League Cup in recent memories. You've got Swansea, Bradford even got the final. Birmingham City beat Arsenal. Wigan beat Man City. Exactly. Well, that was the FA Cup, wasn't it? Was that? Oh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Was the FA Cup. But, but, but still, yeah, you know, same. there's hope there. There's hope there. There's no reason to believe that why why we maybe can't. We've done it once. Why can't we do it again? Yeah, that's what I think as well. So exactly. that's what we're in football for. We're in for hope. We're in for we're in for the glory. We're all in, and we're all massively behind Middlesbrough Football Club. Exactly. That, that that day was was fantastic. To be fair, yeah. absolutely. I I still believe it'll happen again one day. There's something tells me it'll happen again one day. As I say, it's the cup. The cup competitions. It, it could be anyone these days. I mean, I mean, I mean, if you just take the FA Cup, I mean, look at look how far Brighton have come. Brighton look fantastic now. They look absolutely brilliant. We picked them for promotion seven years ago. And as I say, I know they absolutely ran the floor with us um, back in January um, in, in the cup, obviously, in the third round. But, you know, I mean, they've come so far. You know, why can't we go and do that again and build upon, you know, the foundations of get back in the Premier League? They've done, they've done that the right way and they look fantastic. So... Same with Brentford as well, who's another good example. You know, we, we you know it wasn't too long ago we hammered them in the in the semi final of the playoffs to, to to get the the final of the playoffs against Norwich and look at the turnaround they've cut that they've had. You know, and even a you know lesser crowds and stuff than Brighton and, and they're still up there in the top ten of the Premier League. There's nothing stop Middlesbrough if they get the recruitment right and and, and you know manage the club, which was seem to be heading in that direction now um, financially. Every part of the club, from recruitment 
from Steve Gibson, the recruitment down to the you know the, the coaching staff, we seem to be now ticking a lot of boxes as heading in the right direction. Yeah. So there's no, there's no reason Middlesbrough, the size of club we are, with the fan base we've got, the training ground we've got, the, the, the you know the potential that we've got. There's nothing to stop Middlesbrough Football Club over the next few years getting back in the Premier League and challenging the likes of your Fulhams and your and your, and your Brentfords and your Brightons. Nothing at all, in my opinion, as long as we keep you know pushing in the right direction, which I think we're. Well, if you look if you look at the semi-finalists in this year's League Cup, I mean, there was only Manchester United that you would even say are, are a big club. The the other three clubs, as we know, one hasn't won it for a lot of years. Forest have Forest have won something fairly recently, maybe twenty odd years ago. But they were just promoted from the Premier League last season. And then you've got Southampton, who were who were perennial struggles in the struggles in the Premier League. That's not a criticism of them. That's just a fact that if they can do it, them three clubs especially. Then we can do it again, and all you need is a bit of luck in the semi-final and the fan like what we got with Bolo's penalty. And and why can't we do it again? You've got to believe these things are going to happen. We all live for the good days. Exactly, and I said, under under current, you feel like the good days are coming back, and you know, hopefully, we are back challenging like the likes of Brentford and you Fulham, you know, the mid-table clubs like Chelsea and Villa, and you know, that sort of um, bracket. So, yeah. It's 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 exciting times, you know. It just shows we're not all downbeat about Saturday, you know. Just we've moved. When, on. when you look when you look back on Middlesbrough's success of two thousand and four as well, what I'm always majorly proud of now. I mean, I'm not. I, I'm sort of having to dig, but I'm not. You look at Newcastle getting to the final this year. I think they'd be Tramier away late on in the first round of the the, the, the cup. Then they had home ties right the way through the tournament to the final to the semi-final and then got Southampton over two legs who are rock bottom of the Premier League going to sack the manager and they had the second leg at home everything was just there for them to get to the final a huge opportunity for them but well, I'm, I'm hugely proud that when you look back now in time and analyse what Middlesbrough had done to win the League Cup you know would be a really good Everton side at the Riverside would beat Tottenham Hotspur at White Hart Lane yeah. We'll beat the Arsenal Invincibles at Highbury and at the Riverside and then beat a very, very good Bolton side at the time with Lukochas and Yorkievs and all the rest of it in the final. I mean, that was a, a fantastic achievement when you look back at the, the sides that were actually beat to get there and win it. So not only did we win it, we almost won it the hard way. Exactly. Exactly. And it's uh... The two teams that got to the final, you looked at their routes and they're both, without disrespecting the teams that beat, they're relatively easy routes. So, you know, they had, they had, they had a good run. And um, it was Manchester United that prevailed on, on Sunday and made every tea side this weekend. So, yeah, thank you very much. It's Rashford and Cole. Um, but we move on. Final subject, Reading. Um, it was led by a Geordie as well, obviously the front line. Um Andy Cowell up front. Uh, Paul is in charge, former Borough midfielder. Um, I thought it was a great midfielder as well for the Borough. I know he's obviously the later part of his career, but it's still unbelievable player, Paul Ince. I thought he was fantastic. And um, what kind of tests are you expecting, Steve? Obviously, you mentioned earlier about Andy Cowell, six foot five. You know, he's a right nuisance. He loves a goal against the Borough. Um, he's gone on his last trip to the Riverside as well with. Funny enough, with Reading, 
um, in that in that two one win we had was it last was it last I think that was last February as well wasn't it last January February time, um, you know, what what test are you expecting from them on Saturday? Well, it's a it's a, a potential banana skin, no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've just won their last game three one. Andy Carroll scored a couple of goals. I know they've got a few players back from injury. I think the captain comes back against us. Everyone who's injured or suspended, the captain comes back against us. They've got some dangerous players, Matey and uh, Junior Hoylett. They have got players that can hurt you if you're not at it. Um, I suppose they've also been they've also been strengthened by the fact that Joe Lumley's going to be suspended, so they'll have to put the reserve keeper in, which will strengthen them as well. Um, so I do expect actually a tricky game. I think Middlesbrough will have to start well in the game because I think Paul Ince will have done his homework and I know he went to Sunderland lately and they got beat 1-0 late on off, off Sunderland and the complaint was that he was basically cheating his way to a 0-0 draw by time-wasting and his tactics were questioned after the game by one of the journalists and he got into a bit of an argument with one of the journalists about it. Um and he'll have done his homework, Paul, and, and he'll have looked at what happened at West Brom with Middlesbrough. And you look, he'll have looked what happened against Queen's Park Rangers first half against Middlesbrough when they sat in a bit. And I think they'll they, they'll come to the Riverside and set up probably with five at the back and try and uh, try and quiet the Riverside down. And I think it's vitally important on Saturday that Middlesbrough score the first goal. Otherwise, it could be a real long afternoon for them. Yeah, it could be. I mean, I mean, I've obviously I've looked, I've looked before, obviously chatting to you, you gentlemen tonight. The the contrast between Reading at home and Reading away is scary. I mean, at home they've got the fourth best um, record in the league. They're up there with those Burnley, Sheffield United, you know, promotion contenders. The reason they are where they are is because of their away form. They are the second worst team in the league away from home. Only three wins away from home all season. Cuts, we've really got to go into this game and put a right stamp on this, haven't we? We've got to show them, you know, that's why you you saw so poor away from home. And you know, I know Redden are fourth best at home, but we're fifth best. We've only lost twice at home this season. We've really got to get stuck into these, haven't we? Yeah, I mean like we've already went over the game and things that went wrong last Saturday, Carrick will have it drilled into them. It's it's, it's a massive game. It's not um, it's not particularly about performance. I think it's it's huge about getting back on the is it you know getting the three points again and getting getting us rolling again and and getting the confidence. I, I mean, I'm sure the confidence will be still ha- very high, but you know, getting back to winning ways and and, and trying to. Put as much pressure on Sheffield United as we can. We can only control what we do ourselves. And and I'll say that say this: the championship's tough. But if we perform anywhere near our capabilities on Saturday, I don't care who Reading have out. They won't be able to cope with us. So it's not disrespectful. It's all about how we perform on Saturday. And like I say, the results paramount for me. Not not particularly the performance. Exactly. I think I think we're we're down to that that that, that phase of the season now, and we you know performances are important. It's, it's results now. It's time to get points on the board. I mean, even Burnley be saying that, and Burnley have been by far the best team in this league by a long way. They, they'll be knowing now 
it's time to get the points on the board to get us up and get us over the line. So, you know, even that far of the league, they're, they're, it's the same perspective as us. So, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, Steve, I'll come to you. The team, obviously, it looks like Fry will be coming in for McNair because of, obviously, McNair's injury from Saturday. Would you make any more changes? I, I would like to see we go back to the tried and tested for Saturday. And I would make, obviously... Dale Fry obviously comes in, he would have come in for me regardless if Paddy McNair was fit or not. Yeah. But I'll go back to the tried and tested. Um, I would like to see um, you know, the, the front four back to what we've been firing with. Um I wouldn't uh, no, I wouldn't make any more changes. I think we need to get back to what we've been doing well over the last six weeks. And um just what you are saying there about uh so, sort of, it doesn't matter about the performances. I, I slightly disagree. I think it does. I think we're playing so well. I think it's important that we're keeping this groove of how we're playing, how the team plays with Akpom in the hole and McGree, you know, floating around. And I, I think it's important we get back in that groove to, to, to guarantee that A, we'll make the playoffs because I'm more bothered still about making the playoffs than pushing for second. Because if you look at the league behind where it's really tightened up, I think it's important that we send a message to 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 the the teams that we could potentially play in the playoffs. That we're the best side. We play the best football. We're better than you. If it comes to the playoffs, we'll beat you. So I, I don't want our sort of the way we're playing and the form the the, the dip. I, I think it's important. Yes, you need results, but we've got twelve games left. I think if you win six, you'll make the playoffs because that would that would put Middlesbrough on seventy five points. I don't see the team in sixth place get more than 75 points. So I think if we win six out of 12, we're probably going to make the playoffs, which I think is more than doable. But I think it's also important that we keep our our momentum going of the way we're playing. I think it's been fundamental to the revival of Middlesbrough and Michael Carrick. And we've been evolving as a side and getting better and better and better with the way we're playing. And I, I, I really hope that continues. Um Marcus Force has been, you know, the last few weeks we've sort of chopped and changed a little bit for Michael Carrick. And like I said, I'd like to get back to basics and Marcus Force to be starting games and on the right and McGree back in and Tuba getting on the ball, you know, and setting uh, setting Cameron Archer up, who, who again was quite against West Brom. Let's get Cameron Archer back in the in the groove and let's put let's put Ren to the sword, but let's play well as well. Let's let's put him to the sword playing well. And send a statement out. Yes, the Sheffield United that we haven't given up yet, but also to then teams below that are tightening up behind we now that we're better than you. Oh, right. I mean, I mean, when obviously when we do let's say there, you know, points are more important. You know, performance. You know, it is important to keep playing well and keep in that groove. I think it's more. You know, I'd rather have the points on the board now if it means having a scruffy one nil. I'd absolutely take that now. It's getting towards that start at the end of the season. We need to get towards that magic. I'm with you. Magic 75-point mark. If we get to 75 points, I think that's enough. I think we'll get to the playoffs if we if we get that. So, um, as I say, the teams behind us, they're all playing each other as well. There's there's lots of... There's going to be lots of changes and everything behind us as well. we just got to make sure that we're in front of that pack and we just keep nicely in the groove and keep going. That's all we got to keep doing. But before, could before I ask you for the score, would you change anything else apart from McNair? 
Uh, pr- probably not. I'd, I'd like to see uh, Jones getting a few more minutes, but not at the expense of any of the players that have got us in this position. Yeah. So, so yeah, I bring it. I bring in Fry for McNair, um, but that's probably about it. To be fair, and I'll I'll stay with you then. Score prediction. I'm gonna go for a thumping four-one victory. Don't fancy a clean sheet. No, Andy Carroll will score. <laughs> yeah, he probably will. Um, Steve. I'm going to go for a, a, a difficult 2-0 win. I think we'll bounce back, but I think it'll be a difficult afternoon. I think we'll score and we'll hang on and hang on and hang on and, and, and win the game late 2-0. I think uh, it'll be a difficult afternoon, but I think it's one we're more than good enough to, to pull off. I, I was going to ask you, lads, before we go as well, just just on going back to Saturday, were, were any of you surprised that we've never seen uh, Barley come on when we're struggling to create and Get in behind, you, you know. He never, never featured. I was a little bit surprised that when you start signing midfield player, when we couldn't unlock the door against West Brom, it wasn't given twenty minutes. Um, I, I, I mean, for me, I don't see him as that sort of midfielder. Um, because he was the one who unlocked the door against QPR. You see, with his cross. Yeah, I, mean, just... I mean, he was a great ball in for Appom as well. Um, obviously for him to finish. As he, as he does, but I, I, I still don't see him as that, that sort of player. I see him as a someone to break the play up and get stuck in a bit more. And I mean, I could be completely wrong about the boy. He might turn out to be, you know, one of the best creative midfielders we've ever had. I don't, you know, you don't know. But yeah, I, I think Carry just wrote the game off, didn't he? When he got to 70 minutes, I think he just went, nah, it's, it's done. It's interesting, it's interesting you say that, Steve, but when he signed for the club, wasn't he? Level joint most assists in the league with uh, Ryan Giles. I have no idea. Yeah, he was. Yeah, I'm sure I read that somewhere. I mean, very possibly might be. I, 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 watching him, I just, I, I don't see that. But as I say, he might prove me wrong. He might, he might prove to be that player. Um, I don't know the kind of assists he's had at, at Rotherham. I can't say I watched a lot of Rotherham's games this season, so I can't. Put that massively um, in the perspective. I don't know, um, but I just thought Saturday. Yeah, they, they were too far. They were too far deep when they wanted to defend West Brom. So I couldn't. Yeah, it just we could have put Messi on that pitch. He wouldn't have unlocked that for me. Yeah. What What's your score? What's your score prediction for Saturday's stay? Two. Oh, yeah, yes, yeah. Go on, Steve. No, no, go on. You go, Steve. Go on. No, no, I've, I've said my asset 2 0, so. Oh, gosh, what, what, mm. what you What are you thinking? I nearly swore then. Um, 3 1. I'm like cut. I think Andy Carroll scores because he always scores the big Geordie donkey. I can't stand him. I really can't stand him. Um, But he might have a lovely thing to say about me, but I don't care. Donkey, um, but yeah, three one. I think I think Appom breaks breaks the ceiling and gets goal number twenty in the league as well. Um, Bernie faints up in the um in the West End because he's, <laughs> he's lost his spot in the uh, centre. He can't sell his um his books anymore because Appom's going to help sell him. 
Um, but yeah, three one, get back on the uh, on the winning on the winning charge again, and yeah, see where we are from that. But um, I hope Tuba I hope Tuba realizes that after he breaks Bernie's record of twenty goals, there'll be a book coming out. Tuba's about. <laughs> Watch out, Tuba's about. Ah, <laughs> oh, dear me. And on he that, may not be so happy when he knows he's got to go to the Metro Centre Newcastle for book signings, though, eh? <laughs> <laughs> I'd be a chaperone for that. That'd be superb. <laughs> right, on that note, I think we can leave it there. We're uh, we're done for the week. Um, gentlemen, thank you very much for uh, popping on and having a chat with me. It was It's always a pleasure to talk to you too. Um, probably see you both Saturday um, at some point. Um, yeah. Get yourself, get yourself in block twenty three if you haven't got a ticket yet. There's not many left. Um, no, stands filling up quite fast as well for Saturday. So, yeah, um, get yourself there. Thank you for listening. Thank you for liking, subscribing, commenting, getting involved. Um, your comments are lovely as well. Like I had a couple of people on Saturday saying they really enjoy our podcast. So we must be doing something right. Oh, I've stopped swearing and people are not listening more. But go on, cut. Uh, just, just in case people are wondering where John is, he's uh, currently suffering San Miguel in his speedos. So he's he's doing very well. He's doing very well. And if you want to think about John in his speedos, you crack on, because I won't be. Before... One last question, Steve, before you go. Go on. It's an, it's an easy one for you. Yeah. Have you ever seen a Geordie, <laughs> ever seen a Geordie, ever seen a Geordie wearing a cup? I'm not Don't asking that, because it. it means I have to swear. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not doing it. I've been good. I've been good but I was just testing you. Have you? <laughs> um, yes. And, and on that that note, perfect way to finish the show. Arrivederci. Thank you very much. Up the bore. Up the bore.